Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am here with the Patreon member. Her name is Melissa. Hello, Melissa. Welcome to Thrifters Villa Recording. Hi, Daniela. How are you? So good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, this is a conversation we have never had on Thrifters Villa before. We're, we're starting to dabble in some different things out there in Thrifters Villa. And uh, this one is all about vintage Pyrex, which has such a following. So I'm really excited to learn more about it because I don't really know anything about vintage Pyrex. <laughs> I know very little, except I know there are some that are extremely valuable um, and like collector type pieces. And I would love to start a collection of some sort. Cause I think that'd be really fun and you can find them. It's just a matter of knowing like which one to go for. Um, but before we get started, I want to give the floor to Melissa to introduce herself, kind of tell us all who she is, how she got started, what her life looks like and all that fun stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Daniela. I'm yeah. so excited because I love your podcast. Oh, I thanks. love being I love being part of the Patreon group. I'm I'm fairly new to it, but I have learned so much and it's just such a great group of people. And yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, we are we are very lucky. I have to say that. We are very lucky. We have such a good group of people. I yeah, I no, couldn't so ask for a better group. For sure. There was like nobody that I thought, eh, no, like everybody was so, it's so nice and so knowledgeable and it's just really cool. So join it, people join it. <laughs> it's only $5 a month. Look at this. I have a Patreon member promoting the Patreon. There you go. Right. But Real you life have testimony. Nice. You have to be nice and you can't, you know, you, you have to be nice. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, I'm Melissa Jackson and I am from Chesterfield, Michigan, which is about, 25 miles north of Detroit. And I am, you know, I, I, I do work full-time outside of reselling, but are we ever really part-time resellers? It just no. seems like it's a full-time, it's a full-time gig, probably because I love reselling so much and mm. my nine to five, eh, you know, it <laughs> so, pays the um, bills. <laughs> really it really does um i am employed for a very large um healthcare corporation healthcare ministry in detroit and my job it's a really cool job though my job i am a lab representative so Ooh. i get to travel throughout the state to different places, which is cool because I get to go to different thrift stores mm -hmm. and different places like that. So that's really cool. So I started on Poshmark it was back in 2019 when my daughter wanted, she wanted to find this particular Vera Bradley quilted backpack. It was just a plain black one and we couldn't find it anywhere. I think it was probably the last season before that one, but that's what she wanted. So she found it on Poshmark and we bought it and I wasn't really sure about like the the selling aspect but then I was thinking, you know what, if these people can do it, so can I. So I just started selling stuff you know, out of the home. And, you know, I also do clothes, but clothes, you know, I, I do when, you know, I like, but vintage kitchen is just my jam. <laughs> so I love it. So um, I have two daughters, two teenage daughters who are into fashion. One is going to nursing and the other one, she's still in high school and she, she loves fashion. So we'll see where that um, ends up. I have a husband, I have a dog, a cat, you know, your basic your basic family stuff, <laughs> right? Typical, <laughs> typical stuff. And, um, 
I do everything off of my phone in my basement. <laughs> so it's, um, my husband built me a little office down in the basement. Oh, nice. And, you know, as you know, you, you can see me, yeah. you actually can see me. So you can see all my junk hanging in the back, but, um, but you know, um, so vintage kitchen is just my jam. I love it. So I started, I started with vintage kitchen stuff when we were moving into, I started collecting it when we were moving into the current house that I live in now. And I've been married for 22 years, right? So a lot of the things that I received for my wedding shower, they're kind of, they're either lost, broken, or I'm tired of them. Yeah. So when, so when I was looking for, you know, just, you know, things for my Mm -hmm. kitchen, I saw this beautiful Pyrex bowl. And it was, it was a big yellow one. It's actually part of what they call the um, primary color set. And I'll get into that, you know, a little down the, the road here. And it was just so beautiful. And I knew Pyrex because I had Pyrex dishes for my wedding. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Ooh, but this looks, this looks different. It's colored. I had no idea there was another world out there besides the Pyrex glass I received right. for my wedding. I had right. no idea. <clears throat> oh my goodness boy did I learn quick so I I bought it it was like three bucks and I'm like this is really pretty so I took it home and my father-in-law he he saw it and he goes those are old and I go yeah you know it's probably pretty old and he goes no these are from when I was a kid and he's in his 70s <laughs> so I was like no he says yeah so I started looking more and you know I started researching and oh my gosh I love I just love pretty things and who doesn't right so I love pretty things in my kitchen and you know I like pastel colors and then Mm -hmm. the more I looked into Pyrex and saw these beautiful bowls and beautiful casserole dishes I just I was in love and then I decided that you know what so since I'm flipping these clothes you know I bet other people like them as well. And I didn't think there was a market for it. Oh, was I wrong? <laughs> Very wrong. <laughs> so, um, and I, the more I got into the history of it, I'm going to probably totally geek out on you in a second. So beware. <laughs> but um, I love that. I got... Like, I wish you could see Melissa's face because she's so excited talking about <laughs> this. Like she's like smiling ear to ear. So excited talking about it. <laughs> Because I want to tell you a little secret. Nobody ever cares and no one listens to me about this stuff. <laughs> because my we care here. Like, well, thank you. My family's like, if you bring another piece or another bowl in this house, oh my gosh. If you saw my kitchen, it's over like, you know how like your kitchen cabinets have that top mm-hmm. yeah, empty yeah. space? Well, I have bowls all over. <laughs> you need a Pyrex like, wall. You need to build yourself a Pyrex wall. I really do. I'm working on that. So we'll see. So, um, so anyway, so I started reselling Pyrex and there I do the best I do sourcing. I picked them up in thrift stores and this was a few years ago, but now I notice they're a lot harder to find in the thrift store and they're a lot more expensive. I was just going to say that I was like, are your thrift stores pricing of Pyrex? Because I can't touch a Pyrex bowl at my thrift store. Cause they're like anywhere from 15 to $20. Right. And they were, when I started collecting, they were anywhere. Be- I mean, $12 was expensive. Yeah. And in the problem with the problem with me is I think anybody who collects anything, especially vintage stuff, I think that it, 
it's from pure nostalgic purposes, I think. Mm -hmm. So my mom and grandma, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of things like that. My mom does have a ton of vintage Tupperware that I love, but um, my grandma really did it. So, um, but it's just nostalgia because I think to myself, I look at this bowl and I think, my goodness, how many recipes were made in this bowl and how many mm-hmm. kitchens was it in? I just think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. But um, but yes, the prices are getting a lot higher and they're getting harder to find. But as I travel throughout the the state, you know, where I'm at, and then like I ask my I ask my family who lives in Cape Cod, you know, because they go to Brimfield quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I always say, if you see any Pyrex, you pick that up. So she mails it to me, but it's so expensive to mail. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. I but know. she finds she so my aunt and uncle they're they're older and they didn't have any kids so when we would go visit them you know it, w- it would be it would be so fun because you know they lived in Delaware and they live by the ocean and they're just the sweetest people ever and their house is like a museum because they are just like antique crazy and as, as a kid you know I you know as a kid I wanted to see the beach the ocean. Mm-hmm. But now I really um, trust their taste because they know what they're looking for, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I so- wanted to ask you a question before you keep going. Um, I just kind of want to circle back because I don't know if you said this or not and or I missed it. How did you know about reselling? Oh, um, I knew about reselling just from going on Poshmark. And honestly, I was, I did get on eBay, gosh, probably 25 years ago. So you knew it was a thing that people did for money. I knew it was a thing, but just for clothes. I didn't realize there was a market for other things, but, um, but I, like I said, I was on eBay, but I just didn't, it just didn't register with me that people did this and they Mm -hmm. made a lot of good money Mm -hmm. like I just thought people just resold stuff when they were tired of looking at it or I mean that's what I thought it was too like that's what I did I'm like I don't want this anymore give me money like that's basically what it was but as far as like going to a store and sourcing for stuff to sell I really I didn't think that was a thing so Mm -hmm. but now I do (laughs) so it's and now it's wonderful (laughs) Yes, I love it. So, um, so I started building up quite a collection and then I bought a book that had, um, and you know, and you research things and I bought a book with the different patterns and different this and that. So it's, it's just a love I have. And the, the downfall is for me is I love them so much. I can't leave like, so sometimes I'll go into the thrift store and there'll be this, really really sad looking one where the paint's all worn off and it's just sitting there and I'm like oh honey yeah let me take you home I'll bring you home but now these sad looking ones are like $12 so I'm like oh you're gonna have to wait for someone else to bring you home yes (laughs) um I mean I can repurpose it like a lot of people they put like decals and stuff on them but I don't get into that because I just think the resell aspect isn't there but I've used them for planners or I use them for what I actually use in the kitchen. You know, my workhorses that I use every day. I want to go back to you saying like the, the history of each piece, like how many people have used this? What have they cooked in it before? So I was, I actually went to a small countryside consignment store today that I didn't even realize was literally up the street from my house. And I was driving by, I was like, Oh, they're open. Let me just go in. And there was this 
wooden spoon that reminded me of my grandmother. I had to get it. It, I have no purpose for it. Like, I don't want to use it for anything in particular, but like, I might just hang it somewhere. I don't know. But it reminded me of her. And it's like, there's, there's a certain sentimental value that comes with home goods that doesn't necessarily come with clothing. Maybe in some aspects you can get that sentimental piece with clothing, but, or handbags or something, but there's something about the home goods that we were around as a child things that we experienced as a, as younger, you know, as when we were younger, that just translates differently when you're older and you're in these different stores and you're looking at things and you're like, oh my God, I remember so-and-so had this exact same thing and you'll have no reason to purchase it besides for that sentimental piece that maybe you will then pass down to your, you know, your children or, or all the generations after you to just appreciate that same thing. That is so true. And I can definitely, I can, def- so, um, so there is, there is a piece of Pyrex. It's a butter dish. It's like a butter tub that has a mm. plastic lid. And I didn't know these existed. It wasn't part of my research that I did because it was actually made in the early eighties by Parquet. So Parquet Margarine and Pyrex, they, they collaborated and they made these little dishes. And I was like, okay, well, I found one at the thrift store one day and I'm like, it just like, just like you said, it reminded me of my grandma. And so I bought it and I didn't realize they're actually pretty rare to find. And so I took a picture of it and I sent it to my mom and my grandma has passed away. And I asked her because the print on it, you know, it was a very, very um, popular Pyrex print. It's also a corral print. It's a golden butterfly. So it's like that brown little oh, butterfly yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, everybody's yep. seen those. My mom has two of the bowls hanging out that she still uses. So I told her I want to sell them and she told me no. Right. I think we all had those. So I was like, but this is really cool. So I asked her, I said, well, did we, did we have this? Did, did you know my grandma had this? And she goes, I think so. But then like all of a sudden I could like see it in her fridge. It was just crazy. And, you know, Mm. early eighties, you know, I'm 40, I'm 43. So I couldn't have been very old. It's just, it's just crazy. The memories, the stuff does bring Mm -hmm. back, like Mm -hmm. you said, and a lot of my customers, you know, they will, you know, sometimes I'll find a bowl and not the whole set, obviously. Yeah. And I'll just post one. And one of some, a lot of the times customers will say, I bought this bowl. I don't need it. You know, I don't collect this stuff, but my mom had it or my dad had it and I just have to have it. And I'm like, cool. So I just, I just love it. I, I, that's the, that's the part I love about it to bring joy to people like that, because I know how it feels. Yeah. There there really is something special about it and using it as a way to furnish your home too, which I think like not all Pyrex is used like it's not used to be used in the kitchen. It's meant to be a piece of some sort of decor. And I think um, as the years have gone on, we're seeing that transition where people are just collecting them to repurpose them in different ways, just to have a piece of history, American history, and like their childhood back in, in their life. But, you know, in a, in a more modern way, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think I just, there's just something about home goods lately that makes me really excited. Yeah, I, and you know, what's funny is I was, I'm totally not this home goody Martha Stewart person, (laughs) which is crazy. So when I started collecting Pyrex, my family was like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> and my mom, it's so funny. So I have like a lot of patterns from the seventies that I love. My mom's like, this really wasn't an exciting thing for us back right? in the seventies. She's like, like they had this stuff at like Sears or Kmart and we walked past, I mean, it wasn't an exciting right. thing. So it's just, it's just really, really strange. But it's really but, exciting now to everyone. It sure is. I love it. And, um, I don't, I, I, my favorites are, um, the pastels, the, the pinks and the blues and the yellows and there's a lime green and, you know, I could go on all day. About <laughs> this. But also, you know, what's really cool is the, the history behind the glassware. So I'm going to totally geek out for a minute and I'm going to tell you a little bit about, I want to know history. everything about the history of Pyrex, how it got started, okay. like give, give it all to me. All right. So try not to fall asleep. I won't. (laughs) I'm literally taking notes. Oh, cool. (laughs) Oh, cool. I feel so special. Special (laughs) The fact that it's information that I love and that someone's actually interested in it. (laughs) So I feel um, this because most of the time when I talk about this stuff, everyone's like, okay. Right. They're like, okay, you sell garbage. And that's, you know, I don't have, I don't have any resale friends in my you know, in my friend group. So they're like, okay, <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So, none of my friends do it either. They're all reseller friends that do it. And most of them are online. So exactly, exactly. So, um, so how the history goes and I'll, I'll make it, you know, short and sweet is, um, so like back in the late 1800s, there was Wait, a, this is how old Pyrex is. Oh my gosh. You have no idea. So what? like back in like the 1880s, um, there was a scientist who, who was, you know, just fooling around and he added boron to glass. So I guess when you added the boron to the glass, it made it to where it would protect it from like thermal shocks and mm-hmm. it would be able to withstand very high heat. So they used it for like railroad ramps in like battery jars, you know, stuff like that. Right. So then like... In around the 1910s-ish, um, the Corningware Company, which I know is a is a New England, and I love Corningware. I have a bunch of Corningware. <laughs> yeah, so Corningware and Pyrex—they're like cousins. Yeah. So yeah, they're cousins, and it's like Pepsi, you know, Pepsi and Coke. But I think Corningware is prettier than Pyrex. You I love what, Pyrex. Honestly, yes, but it's prettier. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have a ton of corningware, but I really don't, but you know, corningware and Pyrex, like since they're cousins, they have the same, you know, family. So their history goes with that too. So we can pretty much put corningware in this history too. So, um, so anyway, like around like the 1910s ish, the corningware company, they got a hold of this, you know, boron glass thing and they called it Nonex which you know is a pretty cool name Mm -hmm. so like you know they started selling these to like the military for like stuff that they use and it wasn't like like retail stuff it was just for like military industrial type stuff industrial stuff like that so then like so around 1915 ish there was this little lady her name was Bessie Littleton best name on the planet her name is Bessie Right. Hello. So her <laughs> husband, Jesse, he was um, a corning where he was a corning employee and she 
asked him to bring one of these like battery jars home because she wanted to try to cook with it. So Interesting. she, I, right. What so, like, would possess her to even say that? Well, I think what had happened was, I'm not sure what they cooked in back then, but something cast she tried iron? to cook, I would I, assume cast I, iron. That's what I'm thinking. So I don't, I don't really know. And, and I'm trying to think of like what type of, would it just be like on the like fire? A, like a cauldron, really. Like, that's what I'm thinking. So really high heat that you can't like, you really can't, you know, contain right. it or like, you know. So she asked him to bring home one of these battery jars because she wanted to try to cook in it. And she wanted to see what she was cooking. Because I guess like if you bake, you know, obviously if you bake with cast iron, you can't really see it. No. And if it's cooking in like an old school, like brick oven, it's in and you can't see what's happening. Right. Yeah. So she, which like, I would have never thought of that. So, so. um, No, because it's 1915. So. I guess what else do they have to think about? I don't know. (laughs) But, um, so she, so he brought home these different, um, these different things and she did all these really different experiments and so that was like the beginning of pyrex so you know jesse bessie's husband took it back and he says you know my wife has been cooking and baking with this stuff so they made their first like pie dish and and mind you it was all clear at this point so they made their first pie dish in their first um casserole dish and they started selling them around 1918 but it was just to like high-end consumers because it was so expensive to make yeah so then this is now this is really cool too so somehow a few years later there was um there was a a lady from the University of Michigan, which I mean, she was some sort of scientist there as well. And she got wind of this too. And she did all these different experiments and she collaborated with, you know, Corning as well. So they, it was just really cool how it developed. So by the, like the 1930s or so, they started making um, like the opaque wear where it was just white. And, um, but then they started making baby bottles um glass oh. baby bottles because you had to sterilize everything back right. then right right and right. i've seen them they're really really cute they're not very valuable for resale which you think they would be but i was gonna so say cute. i would think they would be but they're not uh, right especially now i mean who knows what's going on now but um, I know. <laughs> I know. Right? and um then they started making like beakers for like chemists like for the pharmaceutical industry yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really cool i would have never thought of that so um so they had like what they called opalware. So opalware are the, um, they're white and they're very, very valuable. And a lot of the times they're not stamped with the Pyrex name. Oh, so around 1900, I forgot. They decided to re, or around the 1915-ish era when Bessie was doing her experiments and stuff, they decided to name this bakeware Pyrex because it rhymed with the Nonex that it originally was. Gotcha. So it's pretty cool. So Pyrex was born because of Corningware. Yes, it was at the, it was actually like made and tested and marketed and manufactured at the Corning, um, I guess the Corning factories, as right. you would put it. Like I said, they're cousins. So Corning and Pyrex, they're just cousins. They have the same, they have the same family. Right. So, um, so then like, 
like I said, in the 1930s, they started doing just the white ones, the opaque, they're very valuable. And a lot of the times they're not stamped. So you really just have to, you just really have to look and you just kind of get a feeling. So like if you, if you see a white casserole or like a white bowl and it's heavy and it's made out of glass and it looks old, it quite, it's quite possible that that's one of those old Pyrex opalware. I have found one. I was just going to say, have you found one? I I found one. And then one time I sourced one of those original, it was from 1918. It was one of those glass um, casserole dishes. And I, I was sourcing it online. So when it got to me, it was in this really creepy. Was it broken? No, it wasn't broken oh, okay. and it had a lid and everything. It was in great shape, but it was in this really creepy brass holder that had feet and it creeped me out. It creeped my family out. And I'm like, you need to put it in the garage. And I sold it right away <laughs> So, <laughs> because I'm just, and I'm very, cause you know, I grew up thinking everything was haunted. <laughs> so it's Okay. Like... Can we talk about this for a second? When yes. I started reselling my, the first thing my grandmother said to me was, you don't know what's connected to those pieces that you're bringing into your house. And I said, no, no, it's fine. And she was like, no, you don't know what's connected to them. Get it out of your house. Oh my gosh. That is so funny because that's, that's how, oh yeah. It's very similar because like my grandma wasn't like that, but I just, I don't know. I just think everything's haunted. And I I think that old school Italian from the old country, every, everything everything is haunted it's the everything spirit. right so and, and sometimes i get like a creepy feeling from clothes too but that's oh no day. i get a creepy feeling from clothes i definitely get creepy right. feelings from certain things i'd be lying if i didn't exactly i mean this holder daniela it was so ugly it had feet on the bottom and my daughters were like what the hell is this get it out of here my husband's like that's creepy as hell get it out <laughs> so we put it i don't in know what you bought but we don't want it Right. So it's, I mean, as soon as I took it out of the box, I was like, Ooh, yeah. But then I thought, well, maybe I can just sell the, the case or the, I could just sell the, or I could just keep the casserole and ditch the holder. But then I'm like, I don't want to make these spirits mad. So I'm not going to divorce anybody. We're just going to sell it to a nice new family. <laughs> so it, it can't be so mad at me if I give it a new home. Right, exactly. A home that appreciates it because I did not. But it's really crazy because it was so small and it was very, very small. It was a two cup casserole. And I thought to myself, this is what people made like entire meals out of back then. That's why they were so tiny. Like this would have been like, this would have been a side dish for something I cook. (laughs) I know, I know, but they didn't have the money then. So no, that was their meal. Right. And speaking of that, so like right around, um, right around this time, like in the 1930s, when they were, you know, it was just like being marketed to like, you know, like rich families and people who were well off because it was so expensive to make. Mm -hmm. So once this University of Michigan lady came in, you know, they developed to where the manufacturing was a lot cheaper. So they could, they could offer it to like, you know, a lot broader of an audience Mm -hmm. so so if you ever like google like early pyrex um advertisements like the um like the advertising the ads and stuff they were so pretty like there's one where this there's this um 
this classic little lady she's standing like she's standing like in the winter and she's pouring water into this glass casserole and it says it won't burst because i mean if you think about it like people there was a time where people were actually scared to cook in glass this is because true i'm looking at it right cool. now oh my god these are so cool aren't they cool i know especially the ones like look up the one if you can for the um the 1940s primary set so i'm going to talk about that now it's so pretty and the so, washing up's so easy. Oh my God, these are so cute. You guys have to Google this. Just Google yeah. early ads of Pyrex and there are so many, but they're so cute. Aren't they though? They're just so cute with like the, the women. They're they're so dressed up and they're so like happy. Yeah. Oh, you know, the time that I wish I lived in so that I could look like them. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I, I belonged absolutely. in that era. I don't belong in this one. <laughs> oh gosh, me either. Like- oh my gosh I totally agree yep there's just something about it (laughs) yes so like around the 1940s when um when you know how you know World War II the men went to war and the women went to work Mm -hmm. well when the men came back from war like in the late 40s the women were put back in their kitchens so Corning got an idea to make not only were they making it you know easier easier to afford but they were making them pretty so this is where the the um primary nesting bowls came into play so it's around 1946 1947 so there is a bowl where there's a yellow bowl a red bowl a blue bowl and a green bowl those are the primary colors and mm-hmm. the yellow bowl that I, that very first one that I bought, that was part of that set. So um, the yellow ones, they were, um, they were very, they were large and then they just nest together. So I have that on my kitchen counter right now and it's so pretty. So, um, so when the women came back into their kitchens, so you know how like um, we talk about Tupperware parties and, you yep. know, things of that nature so they started doing like pyrex parties to where you know it it wasn't like an mlm thing i really just think that the distributors they had salespeople going door to door selling pyrex and then they were having like these little parties and stuff so i'm not really sure what if it was like a pyramid thing like mlm because that's how tupperware started out as we know but um but they just made it so pretty and it was it's just so pretty <laughs> and I'm um, looking up not to interrupt you but now I'm like yeah. down a rabbit hole of googling pyrex as you're talking uh-huh. <laughs> and the the bowl that my mom has the brown one with the gold like roosters and stuff on it mm-hmm. there's one selling on Etsy for 170 dollars yes I what? believe is that called early American early American chip yeah. and dip but this is a chip and dip set that they have oh, 170 dollars yeah, it's crazy. The chip and dip sets are very, very popular, especially if you have like the brackets that it's Yeah, on this and- one has the brackets on it. So oh. my mom definitely does not have the brackets and she uses the bowls separately. <laughs> exactly. Because like, she's probably like, my mom says it wasn't a big deal to no. them. They were just like, it's a bowl, whatever. <laughs> but um, crazy. yeah. So, um, so the primary set was, you know, born in the, in the 1940s and then in the which 1940s, is very pretty. Sorry. I just uh, saw it. Very pretty. Cool. And very um, mid-century believe- modern. Oh gosh. Yes. And at every mid-century modern collector, especially a vintage kitchen collector has one. 
Yeah. So like if you if you ever meet somebody, you'll be like, so where's your primary set? And they'll be like, oh, it's in the corner. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, we all have one. <laughs> and in the 50s, they started the the pastel colors. They were like um, pink and green and yellow. They're so pretty. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And then unfortunately, in the in the mid 80s, they stopped with the pretty prints and the paint. And then they just moved to just this very boring glass stuff that you know which I, I love <laughs> which I love too because it works great but because yes. I don't like I'll use like a few of my pieces you know my colored pieces and you know I'll wash them real pretty and make sure they don't get you know mm-hmm. ruined but the ones I use for every day heck yeah I got those you know at Walmart <laughs> yes yeah. so. I don't care what happens to them okay so you know how Pyrex is not supposed to explode in the oven uh-huh when I got, I bought, my grandmother bought me a set when we, when I had gotten married and she got it from Macy's, I think. And one of those bowls exploded in my oven and I called Pyrex and I was yeah. like, your bowl is not supposed to explode in the oven. This is a disaster. Um, I, w- what can you do for me? They actually sent me, uh, they, they have good customer service. I will say that yeah. they sent me a brand new one. I had to give them like the serial number, which one it was like all that kind of stuff. And they sent me another one, but but it can happen. They can explode in the oven. Yes. And I've heard of that, especially, um, the newer ones, not talk about the vintage ones because the vintage ones are sure last. Yes. I have heard though of a few people, like if they put them in their broiler, which, why would you do that? First of all, (laughs) I mean, because I mean, I don't know how hot a broiler gets, but they said they have up to 500, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I would never do that. And honestly, I, I mean, I'm not cooking any, I'm not baking anything no. over 500 degrees. So I mean, no, I think, you, you know what I do use it for? Steak. Like mm-hmm. I use it in my toaster oven a lot, or like if I'm making roasted potatoes or something and I just want it in, in like a small, like little dish, yeah. roasted potatoes, 400 max, you know, Heck like yeah. that's as high as it, it's going. Right. And I learned on my, um, one of my Pyrex groups. Yes. I'm that nerd. I was going to um, say, <laughs> how many groups are you in now? Oh my gosh. I learned on there, um, that the ones the 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 modern ones you can actually put in the instapot too oh yeah so i was like cool i haven't done it yet because i don't have one that small but you can put it in the it would also kind of scare me a little bit i know know. i mean i mean i use mine like crazy but i'm not sure if i'm going to put any pyrex in there i mean Mm -hmm. just saying so i don't know exactly okay i'm looking at this picture and i need to have all of these these Pyrex bowls in my life. It is called the Pyrex and Pink Daisies Mid-Century Cookware. West Hawaii looks like has these. West Hawaii so t- today. They're and it, so beautiful. They're like, uh, first of all, the pink is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, pink and white. I like the green, but the pink and white and this one with roses on it. I need to find these. I need these. Yeah. They're so beautiful. And the Pyrex. So like, so not only is there Pyrex, there's Corningware and then there's um Fire King. There's What's Fire Black. King? Fire King, it's like another, it's like just another. Um... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
another brand. Okay. They have some really pretty ones too. And then there is um, Hazel Atlas. They had pretty bowls. And um, what else is there? Um, Fire King and Glassbake. Glassbake has a lot of floral ones. They did mostly like casseroles and um, like bread pans. They're really pretty. So I'm just not, you know, it's not just Pyrex for me, but um, but I did know the most valuable ones are the Pyrex and the Hazel Atlas. I mean, there is some corningware that is, but for some reason, corningware is like the... I think it was just so mass produced. Like my mom has a corningware set that has that it's white and blue. It's called cornflower blue. And every every 1980s mom had one. And um and so she bought me one and I'm just like, eh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but I actually use I actually use that one and I feel really good when I do use it because she had it. So mm-hmm. but she she'll try to pick me stuff up to sell but since she I I have a problem selling the stuff that she gets for me just because it's special because she bought it so yeah I know so I that's, a lot of yeah that's tough that's yeah. definitely tough um okay so we've we're in the 80s and we've got these pyrex glass things they're not really valuable if you find mm-hmm. them at the thrift store it's not really something unless you want it for yourself right, right? Honestly, so like there's a ton of glass, ton of glass Pyrex pie plates in the thrift store normally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they do sell, but you're only getting a couple dollars for them. So if you're going to be selling it on eBay, if you're paying to ship it and this and that, you're, you're, there's not a lot of money in it. But like I said, like the, the white um, opalware, any of the colored ones and, you know, different patterns are different, you know, are more um valuable so there's um there's one that's called lucky in love Mm -hmm. and it has these beautiful pink hearts and it's like a unicorn and it's so gorgeous i i've never seen one there is um polka dot bowls which were from the 60s and they're you'll see them out there but they're 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 really expensive um but the the holy grail of pyrex it's called starburst so it has um it's a teal casserole and it has like a gold starburst um like belt around it it's gorgeous Mm. so if you're in so if you're in the thrift store and you see anything teal that's a that's teal and gold that grab it put it in your cart and then do like a google search (laughs) so I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's like Tiffany blue almost. Yeah, isn't it pretty? Yes. I, I, I'll never see one because you, you don't know that. That's true. So you don't know. So that's the first thing I look for. And then there's one called Holy Gooseberry. Resale. Right. You see that? Oh my <laughs> God. $2,400. That's really high. Like I've that's seen high. Like, that might be so like you know on ebay now i don't want to like steer anybody away from anything with reselling but so like one time on ebay i looked up a corningware it's called um spice of life and it's from the 70s and it had like vegetables and fruit on it it's really cool and i saw one for eight thousand dollars and i'm like what is this so I think it's like money laundering, you know, yeah. on eBay. So I think that might be, but um, typically that Starburst though, it can go up to like a couple hundred dollars or, you know, I've seen them like up to a thousand, but who knows? I was going to say there's a few here for like 1500, oh, 1200. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. And they okay. have the stands, the ones that the I'm looking stand. at. Yes, the stand, the stands make a difference. So people mm. like, I know like people who make them, but it, it's just, they want the original stand for resale. Yeah. So that's good. So I really haven't checked my comps lately. So I'm glad you did because now I need to go in and look at I mean, at my there's purchase. some ridiculous ones on Etsy for like $10,000, but it's like a set. Yeah, a set. Yeah. So like, um, there's one called pink gooseberry. That's my favorite. Oh, I like um, the pink gooseberry that one I do yep. like, yes, that one's and cute. there's a yellow gooseberry. I, I can talk about these all day. Um, now the butter print, that's a blue one with like the little, um, the little Amish people on it. Oh yeah. 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 Yep, yep. That's, um, that's a cute one. And that's pretty valuable too. Not as valuable as like the starburst and the lucky and love, but it's pretty. I have a few of those. You know, you you know, sometimes you'll just see them. So if you're in the thrift store and you see something that's pastel or has a pretty print on it, grab it, put it in your cart and look it up. <laughs> yeah, this one. So the one that you're talking about, it's called the Pilgrim set, it looks like. Yeah, it's cute. $285 for the set. Yeah, is there four? Are there four? One, two, three, four, five pieces. So there's oh, okay. a, a casserole dish. There's like a small square. Oh, one. okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's a round one, like the traditional round one. And there's two big, like mixing bowl style things. And it looks oh, like there's wow. another one off to the side, but I can't see it. Oh, yeah. here we go. Um. Oh, they're yeah, they're all different. They have everything labeled out here. Yeah, two eighty five. They look like they're in pristine condition. So What's this Sacconi Pyrex Sacconi? You ever heard Sacconi. of this one? S A X O N Y. Um. Is it like a brown color? No, it's teal and it's got squares on it, um, rectangles, and it's got, looks like two chickens or two roosters standing on a plant. um, That may have been like a, like a prototype, like a, um, like a, like a promotional one. And those are really valuable too. So Pyrex is also made like in different countries as well. So Australia has their own line. London has their own line. Like there's one that um, is from London or England and it has like these pretty lilies on it. I mean, it's just like, it's just so pretty and just I don't know. I I just love it. <laughs> this listing literally says, I found this piece in a barn and I cleaned it. Isn't that crazy? And that's how you, so like I know like a lot of a lot of people I see online, like they'll do like estate sales and they'll grab them. But the estate sales I get to because you know I work all day, you know, they I feel I never, your pain. Right. I mean, I never get there in time. And honestly, the estate sale people, they know what they have. So, I mean, they're going to, they price them up. And um, especially, um, I know a lot of people who do like online auctions, but by time, by time you get to them and the shipping is just crazy, especially like the Goodwill online. So the Goodwill online, they have a really, really nice section of vintage Pyrex, but the shipping is so expensive. It's crazy. Like they had one of those Starburst on there one time and it was going for like, I don't know, I think it got to like $500, but the shipping on it, they wanted to charge like another $50. And I'm like, come on. I mean, but they do ship things very well. Like I've bought a few pieces and they do wrap them nice. They do a good job. And I'm thinking, well, for what I'm paying, you should be walking it to my house. But yeah, right. I want a um, a white glove service, please. Thank you. For sure. And, you know, like I say, I'm not going to say I've never bought things on there, but 
I I typically don't anymore just because the shifting is just crazy. And so sorry, I'm interrupting oh, you. No, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> um, I want to go back to the history. So we we're, we're leaving the eighties now and now we're like in modern times, right? I guess it's still considered vintage, but like how did Pyrex, so Pyrex kind of became like the norm in the household, right? Like it wasn't, yes. it became a norm again. It wasn't like, wasn't anything special. Like it was cheap. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just the glass now. Right. What caused, if you know the answer to this, I don't know if you do, I'm assuming you do. What caused the Pyrex boom again in the, like the two thousands, what caused that to happen? I think what I honestly think, I mean, I don't know like the, the correct like the logistics, answer, right. Right. The logistical answer, but I think what it is, is I think when people started, I think it may have been like me, like things were just made so cheaply in our era mm-hmm. that they, they look for vintage stuff that will last. And then I think they realized, I think it's like similar to me. They realized how, um, how, lucrative it can be and then maybe they just started doing that but I know a lot of hipster kids who are Pyrex collectors because and it might be the the hipster mid-century modern phase too because that kind of goes with that Mm -hmm. so I don't really know the answer but it just started booming like crazy and it's it's insane because the prices they're jacking up all of our prices so stop it no I'm just kidding stop (laughs) buying our things right (laughs) But, um, and then I was so sad, like in the 1980s, they stopped making the printed ones and they just decided to go. Do we know why? Was it just because things were so expensive to produce? Because I feel like the eighties, a lot of companies started taking this turn and Mm -hmm. just everything is focused on mass production and it's not so much on the quality anymore, which now we're starting to see companies kind of backtrack a little bit. And they're like, well, maybe we should start focusing on quality and kind of forget producing so many and just produce a certain amount that's going to sell. I have a feeling that's what it is. I listened to another podcast who, who mentioned it and she had said that um, it had to do with like, kind of like my mom said, it wasn't anything special to people. It was just like bowls and stuff. It wasn't special to where it is now. And I don't know if sales were down, like, like the um the patterns like were changing like the taste of people were changing because those late 80s ones I gotta tell you they're not very pretty yeah <laughs> so I mean there's a few that are really cool because then they started re reintroducing ones like um like um the there's one that's called crazy daisy and it's it's green with little um white flowers and they introduced that again like in the early 80s like late 70s and it did very well but I just think again and I think I personally I have so like the Pyrex I have from my wedding and then I have pieces that were made you know we'll say probably in the 60s or 70s you can tell the difference in the glass so I think it was just you know mass produced and you know like anything else and it gets ruined exactly so and maybe that's why people like it maybe it's due to nostalgic purposes yeah it probably is a little of both honestly yeah I think they've become like I had said like we had talked about previously I think they're becoming a piece of home decor and mm-hmm. I also take, I also think it's important to, to talk about this aspect of it too. When the pandemic started, right. 
how big it was in the social media realm to start focusing on your home and home improvements and HGTV boomed and, and Joanna Gaines really boomed during the, she was already booming, but then she really boomed. Right. And I think because her style is farmhouse, but she also mixes some mid-century modern within her designs that she does. And I think a lot of that has just translated to mainstream and now you're seeing these people like, okay, I want that look that she's doing. I can't afford the pieces that she's putting in there because let's be real. The Magnolia website is extremely expensive. Everything that you right. want on there. I love it. Can't afford it. Super expensive. Um, so how can I acquire these things? Secondhand home goods became really big over the last couple of years. So I almost feel like it was like the perfect storm for things to kind of get rolling in the home goods secondhand market. It's always existed. American pickers, all these things. It's always existed, but it's never Mm -hmm. been cool. And this generation after us is very much into that kind of stuff. They're very much into the thrifting and vintage things, right? Like they're really into it. Not that my generation's not, but it's just, it's just different. They just, Mm -hmm. they look at it differently than we do. For sure. And I think they've, they've kind of with the pandemic and people doing different things to their homes and the younger generation being so into thrift stores, it's kind of caused this like revolution of why pay retail to furnish my house when I can find original, really nice pieces that are going to last for another generation to furnish my home with. And that's kind of like the boat that I'm in since we moved. Like whenever I go to the thrift store, I try to find little things here and there that, you know, are vintage or are made to look vintage or whatever it is to furnish my home with, because I really don't want to pay the retail price. Never mind how expensive everything is right now. Right. I, um, I totally agree with that because a lot of my customers, um, online and I, I focus or I, I, I have a booth at an antique store. Um, A lot of the customers who buy a lot of my stuff, they are younger. They're the younger generation. And they, I think they, I honestly think they're starting to appreciate the quality, like you say. And, And honestly, I know like my bedroom set, for instance, it's from the 1960s, mid century modern, and it's going to last forever. And mm-hmm. because we had bought one when we were first married and I think we bought it at Art Van, we spent a ton of money on it and it fell apart. I mean, it's just crazy. And I, I refuse to buy anything like that. I'm not buying mm-hmm. any more particle board for anything. So, um, mm-hmm. and right now I also, I also sell, um, I also sell, you know, large items on eBay sometimes too. And right now my husband, it's so funny. He picked up this um, antique, well, he calls it antique, but it's from the seventies. It's one of those um, wooden, like love seat and wooden chair with like the, um, with like the cushion on it. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be re-sanded and stuff and it's sitting in my garage, but it's just too, it's just too hot to do it right now. But I'm going to list that probably because it's literally going to last forever. It's not like the, how do you ship that? So what you do is you, you build like a pallet and then it ships by freight, which is crazy. And I'm still learning like the logistics on that, but you're teaching me all new things today. Right. Oh, cool. (laughs) So like, if you go on, like, I know people and I haven't done it yet. I know people on eBay, eBay who sell dinette sets from their garage and they just, they just deliver it, you know, via freight ship 
via freight shipping and Hmm. like I said you just build a pallet um wrap it up and it's just a it's a world I'm exploring as well I'm always doing you know different different jazz because I love mid-century modern and you know I like to sell things yeah (laughs) I want to talk because you mentioned your booth and I want to talk about this and we before we started recording we were talking about how being a clothing reseller can get really boring and dipping your toes into these other avenues can be really fun. But also besides that, how difficult it's becoming to be a clothing reseller, because it's, in my opinion, the easiest market to get into as a reseller doesn't require that much research or work. I mean, certain pieces of course do, but it's not, um, it's just easily accessible to everyone. Anyone could be a clothing reseller. Anyone can be a shoe reseller. Not everyone could be a home goods seller. Home goods requires a lot more work on the back end to really understand what it is you're picking up. What's the history behind it? How are you going to market this to the the buyer that's looking for it? Um, And I just think that as a seller, it's really important to start diversifying a little bit. I think we're all kind of feeling it where there is a lot more competition. I'm not saying that people get really angry when you mention this. Like, I'm not saying that there's too much competition and reselling is declining. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's just harder. It's harder to be a clothing reseller. It's harder to be a shoe reseller because that's what most people do. So the competition is more fierce for it. Whether it comes to picking up the items, it's more fierce and selling them. There's way more pieces on, available online now for a buyer to choose from. So if you're not the most aggressive in your pricing, if you don't have the best pictures, if you don't have the best descriptions, your item is going to get bypassed. It's a lot harder. Where with home goods, if you're the only one with this specific piece, that buyer is coming to you. Or if there's only a handful to pick from, I mean, your chances of winning that buyer are much higher than someone who's looking for a pair of Madewell jeans. Right. Agreed. And so like, here's an example. I'm so glad you brought that up. So here's an example. Um, I source a lot. Well, during the pandemic, you know, when they closed our thrift stores, I had to source online and I actually sourced a new in the box sunbeam pink hand mixer from I want to say it was the late 60s and the box was factory sealed still wow so I I sourced it off of Poshmark and actually and then I let me segue just a second so like Pyrex bowls sell really well on Poshmark believe it or not which really crazy over Etsy see I don't I don't do Etsy because you should I should I had a shop but it's so saturated like it is it is to me to me it is like eBay I believe is too but um but I do have a a shop on Etsy I don't use it much but um and I'm kind of I'm kind of here or there on Etsy but when I list a a bowl on Pyrex or a a Pyrex bowl on Poshmark it sells and in I'm not sure what the deal is with that, but it's true. So anyway, so I was, so back to my mixer. I, um, We're all I over the place. It. Sorry. Right. I, that's how my brain works. So I'm Same. sorry. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so um, my mixer, I sourced it on Poshmark. So I was like, well, and I sourced it. It was really low. I want to see it was like $35, which I was like, okay, well, um, I ended up selling it. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. At the antique booth for like 140 because it was factory sealed and I never opened it. I just found an old ad and I um, I put a picture of it in front of the box and yeah, it sold very quickly. And I want to say it was probably just because it was pink, mm. you know, usually pink or turquoise, those, um, those light colors sell well, but it's just, it's just crazy of what different things that, and I, and I did want to like you, I do think it is definitely important to not just limit yourself on what you're selling because don't be wrong. I like clothes. I do pretty well in clothes. I mostly focus on mall brands, but, um, the vintage kitchen, I don't have a lot of it listed on the platforms because I do so well with it at this, um, antique mall that I'm at. It's actually in Michigan and it's in like a resort town. So in the summer, it just booms with tourists. So I imagine new England would be, would be crazy too with some of those. If I was um, in Newport. Yeah. (laughs) If I was in Newport, not where I am, but yeah, if I was near the water, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I want to talk about your antique booth. I want to talk about it because I think more than ever, it is so important. And we've talked about in this podcast more than once over this year, this year in particular, more so than any of the past years of diversifying and finding other ways to create these streams of income, whether it's different platforms, whether it's going outside and doing like porch pickups, whatever it is, right? What made you want to go into the antique booth? Like what persuaded you to move off of the platforms? Not completely, obviously, but, and and go the physical route of brick and mortar, because some people will say brick and mortar is dying. I disagree. I don't think brick and mortar is dying, but I digress. Honestly. So, um, so like I said, it's in a, it's in a, like a little resort town in Michigan and it's probably about, 60 miles north of me but it is in one of those I live on the border of Michigan on the Great Lakes gotcha so it is um it's very close to Lake Huron in the you know the water brings tourists Mm -hmm. so um so I had stopped there and my mom has been an antiquer she likes to go look so we went into this store one day and then she has this so the owner lady has this room of all vintage kitchen and I about died so I'm like okay I'm gonna stay here all day (laughs) and she's just the sweetest lady I'm gonna give her a little shout out because she's just the sweetest lady her name is Michelle and um so I I noticed that people were looking at this stuff and I'm like oh I can do this I have stuff at home so I asked her um when I was done shopping, I asked her and I got put on the wait list because her um her store is pretty popular and I, when my, when my time came up, I, I have my little shelf and, you know, I do, I do pretty well there and she does pretty well, but honestly, um, that was when I saw the people looking at it and they were 
she has some pretty things too. And they were looking at it and they were touching it. And I heard this one lady say, my mom had this and she bought it. And I was like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but like I said, I cross list, it depends on what it is. I cross list um, some certain bowls on Poshmark and I think I do have a few things on Mercari, but Mercari to me has just been, I think I've had, I, during the pandemic, it was booming lately. I don't know if they're messing with their algorithm a little bit too, because I haven't sold hardly anything on Mercari. eBay, I don't put any of my vintage kitchen stuff on. I don't blame you because I probably wouldn't either. Right. But um, the Pyrex, I don't just because it's so saturated, but like I do do vintage Tupperware as well. I'll put that on there, but it's so saturated, but mostly, honestly, like I said, Poshmark with the vintage kitchen, I think for a while Poshmark was really playing up the home stuff. Now they're playing into electronics and I'm not so yeah. sure about all that. Cause I don't know anything about electronics and I don't want to, uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I sold um, my old laptop on there. I for sure thought it was going to sell on Mercari or eBay. Nope. Uh Sold on Poshmark. It was the strangest thing to me. I was like, um, never anticipate this, but also thrilled because the box itself in the laptop was five pounds. Great. I didn't have to worry about it. And honestly, that is the best thing about Poshmark with this home stuff too, because these Pyrex bowls, they're heavy. And Uh so one time I sold a set of two, this lady bundled, and I had to just get the the higher um, label. I think it went up to 10 pounds and it was perfect. I mean, it, yeah. it was, so that is one good thing about, about Poshmark. I will put everything on there, but I don't believe, honestly, I don't believe I have any Pyrex listed on there right now. So I should probably put more on. When we're done talking, one, you should probably right? do that. <laughs> um. I want to talk about one more thing with your antique booth, because I'm sure people are wondering this. The things you're putting in your booth, are you also listing on the platforms as well? Or are you keeping that completely separate from the things you're listing on the platform? It depends on what it is. So um, if it is something that, so it's like, well, let me say, so I have a couple sets of like mid-century modern, um, kitchen canisters like the tea the coffee yeah. you know the I don't have those listed because they're a pain in the butt to ship yeah and um but I do have if it's Pyrex and if it's Tupperware it's cross-listed but okay. like I said I don't cross-list a lot of that stuff anymore so it really just depends on what it really just depends on what it is because so during the winter um when it's not a touristy season mm-hmm the the shop isn't open a lot so if I sell something on eBay I only have two days to 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 get there and and I have to get there and go grab it and I I found sometimes I found sometimes that um I would cancel the sale because I I couldn't get up there and I don't want to be doing that so it it really just depends now I think I'll cross this a little more because I can get up there quicker because Mm -hmm. she's open more days but um it just depends on what it is really like right now I have um let me think of what I have cross-listed a couple Tupperware items and they're actually sitting so I probably need to relist them but um but pricing is just so pricing right now is just so like hairy because and like you've said on um 
like you've said on earlier podcasts, retail is down. So which means a lot of our stuff is going to have to come down. So it's, it's just it's, really it's weird. It's a very it weird world right now because numbers wise, if you don't look at sales, traffic in retail stores is up, right? Which which makes sense because everything was shut down for an extended period of time. But people want to go in stores. Mm-hmm. Online foot traffic is actually down because people don't need to be shopping online as much and they want the experience that we once had, right? Like shopping online was a novelty even three years ago. And it was like, this is the cool thing to do. But when that's all you do for an extended period of time, because you can't physically go anywhere. Now it's the opposite effect of, I want to actually go in and I want to experience it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but sales are down overall. So even though foot traffic is up, sales are down overall. And the things that are selling are different than what was selling even last year. So now we're seeing like Target and a bunch of other stores slashing all these prices on things to move things out the door because Mm -hmm. A, everything's very expensive and the inflation's really high and they still can't move items and they have so much from previous from last year's ordering. So you're basing your this is the this is the problem with retail. It's a problem with any clothing and it doesn't matter if it's a retailer or just a designer, it doesn't matter. You base your numbers off of last year and then that projects what you're going to do. It works the same in every industry. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's your projection for what you should be ordering or sending out for the for the following year. Well, the problem with that is you're buying things 365 days ahead of time and you're going to be releasing them. And by the time it's by the time it's the release date, you fall into a situation what retailers are in now where it's like no one's buying at leisure anymore in the same way that they were buying it before. Or we didn't order as many dresses and pants because no one was going to work or events weren't happening and, but people need them now and we don't have enough to sustain that. So it's a very interesting um, time to be in like the retail and fashion space and all of that. It's, and, and we're seeing it with like in the industrial world as well, where there's a shortage of a lot of different things because no one was producing anything. So now there's yeah. a shortage and yeah. try to, make up for that. And I'm sure you see it in your business as well. Mm -hmm. I did notice that, um, a lot of my, um, a lot of my blouses, a lot of my blazers, um, and this was stuff out of my personal closet. They, a lot of those are selling now too. skirts, Mm -hmm. um, like, um, just like you said, like going to work stuff, because I think people are so excited to go back to work. Now, me as a healthcare worker, I never stopped. Yeah, I um, didn't stop either. (laughs) Right. But I think people are now so excited. They want new stuff. And I think that's where they turn to us because everything in the stores are just crazy. Mm -hmm. But also like, um, I also think, you know, on that note, you know, during the pandemic, like everybody was cooking, everybody was baking. I mean, it was just crazy which I think like maybe they're sticking with that, which is why, you know, Vintage Kitchen is so popular mm-hmm. still too. And gardening is a big deal. Gardening, yes, for sure. Big like my deal. husband and I, my husband, my poor husband, like in the in the 90 degree heat today, he was out there planting a bush. So <laughs> was mine. <laughs> I was just in the pool watching him, you know. <laughs> but um, 
but and it's just so it's just so so crazy which i think it's it's important for us to have a mixture of things that we sell like i mm-hmm. i really do and and it, and i i always joke and you know my my friends you know they joke with me they're like you'll literally sell anything and i and i always joke and i say anything is possible i mean that's a thing i know <laughs> but but it's just like i will so um during the pandemic here's another thing i want to mention that it's not about vintage kitchen it's not about pyrex but um so why not right so um I live in Michigan and during the pandemic we were put on these like really weird um restrictions like so we couldn't not only could we not go anywhere we couldn't buy anything like we couldn't buy patio sets we couldn't buy lights because um what uh so not to get I don't want to get political or anything but like our governor our governor decided that she was going to take away all of the non-essential stuff we couldn't buy to keep us out of the stores pretty much so we couldn't buy patio sets we couldn't buy anything but could you buy that, them online oh yeah we could buy them online okay. we just couldn't go to the we physical couldn't go store. to the, the physical store so and it was the oddest thing like there was like so we walk into um Meyer and or Home Depot and they would have tape around them you couldn't buy them you couldn't look at them and you couldn't buy them and I'm like what world are we living in this is crazy so anyway so my husband and I we started um buying um liquidation pallets of this stuff and smart um, so smart oh my gosh so let me tell you so we so a friend of mine from high school was doing it and she let me in on a couple of her secrets and I went to this place and and we bought some pallets and a lot of it was new stuff but a lot of it was like store returns but you can still mark it with flaws yeah and I didn't put any right and I didn't put any of it online I put it all on marketplace or Mm -hmm. like on Facebook and Daniela when I tell you we cleaned up I can't even explain. So then like, so we had like a really good two months and then all of a sudden everybody started doing it. So then Mm -hmm. it was just saturated. So we got out of that, but I just think you have to think about what's hot, what's not, and what's going to work. Like, like here's another example. I sold a blue cello one day because I thought I saw it in the thrift store. I'm like, that's pretty cute. I, I picked it up and I mean, you just, it's just crazy. I don't know. Yeah. And I think um, this all goes into like exploring and going into different mm -hmm. categories and not feeling like you're stuck in clothing. Cause I think we all reach a point in our clothing journey where we're like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm sick of going through the racks, looking for clothing. I'm overwhelmed with the amount that are in bins already. I kind of want to venture and just try different things and just yeah. see what else is out there. Like reselling is not just clothing. <laughs> no. And I think that's why like Poshmark is doing all these other categories. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, okay. I know I thought last night, I'm like, if I measure one more inseam on a pair yeah. of jeans, I'm just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But then I like found these glasses and I got excited about those because, you know, obviously Vintage Kitchen is my jam, but yeah. Um, but, but so before I, I, you know, we, we stop, I want to name. We're not done name. yet. I got more questions. Oh, good. Oh, good, good. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Melissa's like, I don't want this to end. So I don't, because I never get to talk to anybody about this subject. It's so exciting. <laughs> 
I want before before we keep going. So uh, there's one question I'm saving for the end, um, but I want to hear your thoughts since this is what we're just talking about of the benefits of being in an antique store or booth versus being online. Like, do you think one is more beneficial than the other? Do you think the return is better for one or the other? Do you think certain pieces just are valued better in person? Then online, because I have a friend, a local friend who has, who's probably listening. Hi, Kay. Um, <laughs> she has an, uh, an antique booth and she does very well in her antique booth. And I don't think she lists very much of it online, um, but she just finds, you know, different things in the thrift store and puts them out. I mean, I've seen some of her checks that so she gets two, $300 in a month. I mean, that's, you're not doing anything. It's just sitting on a shelf. Yes. So. I think that is a great benefit because so like here's so, so like for instance the the booth that I have at the antique store I don't have to sit there in front of it and I pay really low rents just because this lady is so sweet and um, I'm actually getting a larger booth because I have more things which is exciting. I don't have to sit there and babysit it. I don't have to ship it. I don't have to it's really kind of like a win-win and it's, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are better months than others, but um, also like my mom always says, like when she, like when we source, you know, she really likes sourcing with me now because like we'll go to thrift stores, but then we'll go to antique stores as well. And the price will be different. And my mom will always say, oh, it's more here because they know what they have. So I think when people go into antique stores, they expect to be paying a little more than I do. Absolutely. So do I. And honestly, if you know what you're looking for, and if you have that nostalgic feel, I don't, honestly, I don't think it matters what the price is, really. I mean, do me wrong. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna charge $200 for something that's, you know, 40. But, but I think that, um, I think that is definitely better in my opinion for the vintage kitchen stuff and you know for other things as well so like my husband he bought a he bought a um so we're from Detroit and we walked into this store a couple weeks ago and they and this lady she had the back she had a back a basketball backboard and it had signatures from the bad boys you know Detroit Pistons back in the oh, 90s wow. you had Dennis Rodman you had Isaiah Thomas oh you my had god Owen. right so and who's who's walking in looking for a backboard no one <laughs> but I was not leaving the store without it <laughs> because I wanted it so I mean it's just I think when you walk into these stores you just don't know what you're going to find and what you're going to bring home yeah, I think <laughs> absolutely um I think so there's two things I want to I want to talk well no you, it, is there anything else that you want to cover before I go into my notes here I have a um, page and a half of notes I just want to throw that cool. out there awesome um no, I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to like make a list of like, um, just talk about some of the um, Pyrex um, patterns that I think are valuable, but now that good, that's I'm on my good. list. Okay, good. Because I really have to check my pricing, honestly, because the prices you had are not the ones I'm finding. So I need to look at that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm sure it changes yeah. daily. And based off of, you know, and this, we live in such a social media world. If one influencer shows one pattern or one thing, forget it. It's going to be a totally different ball game. Mm -hmm. And this is so for those that are listening um, in our Patreon group, we have a monthly zoom and one of our members, Liz, 
came across a Juicy Couture terry cloth cherry handbag, not knowing what the value of it really was, just kind of listed it and ended up selling it for like, I think she said it was like 65 Ended up canceling that sale because she realized that there was so much attention on it and sold it for a higher price. I think of one twenty five. Well, she happened to find the bag the other day online and someone priced it at six fifty. Yeah. So and this this happened. So we we did like a deep dive on our Zoom call. Like, why is this hat? Like, why this specific bag? And we noticed that there's a trend on TikTok right now where the cherry bag is is what people are looking for. Some influencer out there showed it, and now all everyone on TikTok's talking about it, and they're selling them on TikTok. So, um, yeah, she had no idea. We had no idea. And then we started looking at it, and we found that, but someone else is valuing it at 650 and apparently some have sold in that four to six hundred dollar wow. range which is insane because that bag probably costs like 100 bucks tops oh my gosh especially yeah i mean it's a terry cloth one it's not even like it's oh my gosh i didn't know it was terry cloth oh yeah. my goodness yeah so and you know what i i can relate this to um so the there's a show I believe it's on Netflix. I've never watched it, but it's called The Fabulous Mrs. Maisel. Um, it's Amazon and it's amazing. Okay, so I'll have to watch it. You okay. need to watch it. Yes. Okay. Good. So apparently, um, so this is actually Tupperware, not Pyrex, but um, they re. So I don't know in the show, she must have used a pastel Tupperware bowl or something. Oh yeah, it's very mid-century modern. So yeah, right. That- so Tupperware re-released this set of bowls and called it vintage. They're so pretty. And of course I had to buy them, but, and it was like $60 for a set of four bowls. And you know what? I didn't care. I needed them. But so, so now like vintage Tupperware that is pastel color, it's really hot. So mm. that's what I'm looking for because it's crazy hot. And then um, there was another show that showed a Pyrex bowl where somebody was making something and, and it was an older bowl and that bowl, that certain bowl went, um, went like that too. So these influencers and I'm on TikTok, but I just kind of like watch the the funny cat videos and the recipes. So maybe now I have to get onto the, the Pyrex influ- influencer. I mean, why not? Whatever. Right. I am not on right? TikTok and I never want to be on TikTok, but mm-hmm. um Yes, that's like you can Google this stuff too. You don't have to be on TikTok, yeah. but you can Google it as well. But if you are on TikTok, yeah, just definitely look and see. Yeah, I actually like it. I don't like I don't watch it for the dancing teenagers, but there's a lot of um there's a lot of reseller stuff on there too, which yeah. is cool. But yeah. you know, I mean it, it's you know it's you scroll know. bait. It's that's thing. what I like to call it. It's scroll yes. bait. You just scroll it's another and thing. scroll and scroll. Yes. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> my gosh no kidding it's another thing for me to be on and watch so right crazy. and it takes away from other things and i like i don't know it's a whole nother discussion yeah because <laughs> i'm gonna exactly. go down a rabbit hole that's a whole nother discussion let's talk about pyrex styles and patterns that people should be looking for well definitely um there's one on the top it's called lucky and love it has um pink hearts and i want to say it has like a green stem um polka dots are very popular balloons it's a blue bowl Ooh. with white balloons really cute um blue diamonds very popular um the starburst 
it's teal with a gold starburst we talked about. And then there are there's some other ones. Um, I, I don't know the names of them. They're they were like prototypes and like um they were like um special ones that they made throughout the 60s. Those are pretty popular. Um there's some striped ones that are cool. There's one that looks like a barcode. Um, I'm not sh I don't remember what color it is, but it looks like a barcode. They made it in the 60s as like a promotional item. And then, you know, you have your gooseberry and you have a uh, gooseberry is, um, it's a pastel with like a little leaf on it. It's really cute. Um, the butter print, it's, um, it is blue with the little white Amish people on it. There's also a, what they call the pumpkin butter print. If you can find that in orange, that's pretty popular as well. And what else is there? Um, the chip and dip sets, especially if they have the bracket, are very popular. Also, there are certain dishes, they're called space savers. So they kind of look like a flat um, casserole dish, kind of like a lasagna panish, but the lids are very, very popular. If you find one that has a lid, or if you if you Google um, Pyrex space saver lids, if you can just find lids, those are very popular as well for resell. Um, there's something called um, fridges. So back in the 40s and 50s, before Tupperware came out, they were these little glass Pyrexes with um, with a um, they were they, they were like red and they were um, they were like the primary colors colors, and they had glass tops and those are really popular right now, especially with people who don't want to um, store their food in plastic. So that's I, a big I am one of those people. <laughs> I stopped using plastic probably three or four years ago. Well, I Danielle, won't use anything plastic. To, well, you have to buy a Pyrex Friggy set because they're way cute. Okay. And Friggy. just because they're cute and just because they're cute. <laughs> <So> <laughs> if I find some, I'll let you know. <laughs> yes, let me know. I'll buy them all for you. Oh, yeah, I'll send them to you. But yeah, but I can't find Let them me pay shipping so at least. <laughs> but I can't find it because it's so popular. So, <laughs> and um, honestly, you know, Tupperware too. Anything that um, if you can find a Tupperware that has a picture of a little seal on it, that's like the Tupper seal guy because um, when they um, when Tupperware first started, the the um airtight seal was a big deal. And they put little seals on it, like a picture of an actual seal. And it's really cute. If you can find those, those are very valuable. And um, anything that looks vintage Tupperware that has a lid that fits, that is a pastel color right now. But so basically pastel they... is really where it's at. No matter yes. what it is, pastel is really what people want. And yeah. in terms of cost of goods, what would you say is a fair cost of goods? I know it depends on obviously the pattern, but like generally speaking, where should your cost of goods be for these items? My rule of thumb is I always want to make, let's see. So, and it, you know, like it, it really depends on what it is, you know, just like, you know, clothes mm -hmm. and everything. Just like clothes. But your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
but do you have a rule that you follow? Like if this is just a generic Pyrex that I know is going to sell, but it's not, it's not anything special, but it it could be special to someone. I don't pay over $10. Mm. I really don't. Now, now there's a big, there's a bigger bowl. It's called a Cinderella bowl that, um, it has two spouts. Um, they actually, it is blue. Um, but they made them in every pattern. It's just a, it's okay. a bowl. It's a bigger bowl. And I will spend more than those because those are what I personally collect. And mm. I, my biggest resale has been on those bowls because people love them and they're in a lot of the patterns too. But um, like the butterprint one, they, I think it must've been mass produced in those big bowls because that's literally all I find. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, probably. And people love them. But like I said, I don't spend now if it's a set of bowls. So say, you know, I go to a thrift store and it just makes me want to cry sometimes because they have the set of bowls and they have mat and they have packing tape wrapped around them. And I just want to cry. Because so all they, the all the beautiful pattern is going to come ripping yes, off with the yes, tape. And don't, and don't put them in the dishwasher. Oh my gosh, no! Don't ever put it in the no, dishwasher. No, you wash that stuff by hand. Exactly. You any of this stuff that's from those eras, you can't put in the dishwasher. Please don't do it. Right now, the ones that I find that are sad that I use that are already sad, I throw them in the dishwasher. But that's because I'm not trying. Well, they're to already sad. <laughs> Exactly. They're already sad, but they're, you know, they found a new life and, and your Nona would be proud. Yes, <laughs> she would. But, um, but, um, now if it's a set and it has lids, I've spent probably $50, $60, you know, but each piece I really never spend more than $10 on. But like now with prices going up, if I see something that I really, really have to have, I'm probably going to have to go up now. Yeah. And Tupperware well, things are always changing. Exactly. For Pyrex, now Tupperware, I don't spend more than a couple bucks just because it's so saturated. There's a ton of it out there and it's not nearly as popular right. as Pyrex. But like um, other things like oh go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Now if you're at a thrift store and you see like um club cookware, that's another thing. It's aluminum cookware that has sounds um, ugly. Oh gosh, it's so my mom. That's what I learned to cook on. And my mom had them. They were green and brown, and they were like you're losing me, right? So anyway, so however, they did make a turquoise set and a pink set, which is beautiful. If you find those, grab them. Don't put them in the cart. Hold them next to you. It's like when you find a really, really great piece at the thrift store, like, like you're talking about clothing pieces, like a spell or an Ula Johnson dress that you don't right. want to put in the cart. No, you're just you gonna hold it. You literally want to ditch your cart and check out. Yes. <laughs> like, Forget so everything like, else that you found. <laughs> yes. If you find something that speaks to you, that's pastels, more than likely it's going to be very valuable. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I want to know what's the most it. valuable piece that you have sold. Most and how much piece, did it sell for? Okay, so most valuable piece that I have sold. Let's see. Um, it wasn't well. I already talked about that pink mixer, which mm-hmm. I didn't think was very valuable, but I did sell a lot. Um, I did sell. Um, I've sold a couple of those um, primary sets that I've literally probably spent ten to twenty dollars on, and they've sold for a couple hundred. That's and awesome. um and what else um 
a couple um just staggered bowls here and there um the the price went up because it was the size was hard to find so like um and they all have a number too so like like those big bowls I was talking about, mm. it's a number 444. So there's a 401, which is a smaller one. Those are hard to find because they, they break a lot. Yeah. So I've sold a couple of those for $50, $60, and I've probably spent $2 on them. But as Think far as like this. the- Think I know. about that. Right. Well, in terms of clothing, translate this to clothing. Do you right. know how difficult it is to sell a piece for two or $300 for clothing? I do, because I've never done it. <laughs> I sold a pair- I, I've never sold anything that high for clothing just because I don't, where I'm at, we, we don't get that type yeah. of stuff. And, um, and when I go look for clothes, I don't know the labels like you guys do, which is why I'm in your group. <laughs> so, but, um, what else was I going to say? Um, I know so I keep interrupting most, you. No, Sorry. no, it's, it's how my brain works. The <laughs> most valuable piece I have in my house is um, it is a um, a vintage milkshake maker or a vintage Ooh. milkshake uh, machine. And it's, I saw it on Marketplace. There was a lady who was selling it and she was at this like um, this uh, show like this um vendor show and it's a Hamilton beach and I knew it was valuable because I used to work at a Dairy Queen and they had that machine and whenever like an older person would come and walk up they would always want to buy it so as soon as I saw it I was like okay I don't care how much it is so I asked the lady and I said well how much do you want for it and she's like well I'll take $125 Daniela this thing is probably worth about $1,800 and so I was like, and that's just the machine alone. So I'm like, okay. So I get there. It is pristine. It's beautiful. And it had like the original, um, like the mixing cups, like those stainless. Oh my God. And it had some spoons with it too, like the long spoons. And I'm like, I've, it got to the point where I felt guilty because I wanted to tell this lady what she had. Mm -hmm. So I asked her, I said, where did you get this from? And she goes, oh, well, it was my father's. He owned a pharmacy, like, like one of those like pharmacies where you get like the milkshakes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, it's been in my basement and I just want somebody to buy it and appreciate it. And I told her, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I am a reseller, but I will never sell this. I don't care if I, I don't care if I'm, if I don't have rent money or I mean mortgage money or rent money or car, I will never sell this. And I, I have had offers like crazy because I put it on my little thrift group. Look what I found. And I Mm -hmm. had like all these offers and I'm like, no, I'll never sell it just because it's so special. Yeah. That's crazy. I can totally envision what you're, what, what you're describing. Exactly. And um, so nuts. Yeah. Does it work? It works. I, um, Oh my God. I know it works. I mean, one of the spindles, you can tell probably in the shop, one of the spindles doesn't work as well because it was probably the one they used like for all these years. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but I just use the one and um, don't get me wrong, the cups are a little tarnished, but you know what? I have one good one and um, um, it just, I love it. So like, look it up. It's a Hamilton beach, um, green milkshake maker. And I have the three spindle one. It's gorgeous. So if you ever see one of those, oh my God, grab it. Crazy. 
I, I feel know. like that's a piece that you find at like a random small consignment yes, antique yep. store kind of thing where yes. it's not really valued as anything. This lady had no idea what she had. And I, and I asked her, I, because I, I felt guilty and I said, do you know what this is worth? She goes, I do, but I just want it to go to somebody who will appreciate it. And when I got home, I sent her a picture of it on my counter Aww. and you know, stuff like that. So, but, um, yeah, if you ever see that, you know, grab Pick it. it up. <laughs> yes, for sure. And it's so heavy. So like, um, I was actually going to take it up to the antique store just to bring like, just to bring like people over to my booth. Yeah. But like, so look at this, not for heavy. sale, but look at this. Right. It's so damn heavy. I don't want to. <laughs> so plus, I'm always afraid like, like people would steal like the cups or something because yeah. they're valuable too. So it's just, yeah. it's never leaving my house. That's it's fine. Get It'll get buried with me, you yeah. know, me and my mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that's the oldest piece that you've ever found? What's the oldest? Oh, the it doesn't oldest? necessarily be valuable, but what's like the oldest piece that you either have acquired for yourself or sold? The oldest piece I've ever found was that creepy one. It was mm. literally one of the first ones from 1915. And I thought it was crazy valuable. It's why I had to have it. It turned out, I think a lot of people thought it was creepy because yeah, so no I one wants it. it. Right. I sold it, but not for very much because it was ugly. I mean, it was just like, ugh. you know, I don't know. It like, it like seemed like it, it like, like it um, belongs like in a creepy dark castle. You know, it was just like, ugh. okay, well, Weird. we're going to pretend yeah. like that never happened. Right, exactly. I don't want it to hear me, you know. <laughs> it's going to come back and it's going to be in your front doorstep, like Ouija board fun. style. Right, because it's content. <laughs> uh, this is such a fun conversation. Thank this you. Fun, yes. <laughs> this is fun. I learned a lot. I literally so took glad. a page and a half of notes because... Th- so I guess I'll I guess I'll announce this here. This has been that I haven't talked about at all with anyone besides a couple of people on Patreon and Melissa knows now. But um, I I am starting to venture into home goods, and I started an Etsy store and um, started an Instagram page. I've not done anything with it because who has time for that? Um, and I started a second Poshmark closet. It's called the Hidden Farmhouse Co. But on Poshmark, I think it's just Hidden Farmhouse because I couldn't get the name that I wanted. And on Etsy, I had to, I couldn't do Hidden Farmhouse Co. I had to do The Hidden Farmhouse Co. because someone else already has that. So that made me really sad. Um, But I made a little logo for it and everything. And I'm going to be focusing on vintage and farmhouse style things. And I'm very new at it. So there's not much on there. There's like maybe 12 pieces on there. I'm trying to like figure out how I want to stage things, what I want to sell, like how much do I want to sell and just kind of having fun with it. I've already had one sale. So that was really exciting. And even though it's listed on Etsy and Poshmark, it's sold on Poshmark to go to what Melissa was saying. It's sold on Poshmark. It was one of those um, wicker cat beds that looks like an igloo that retail for like a hundred bucks. I found one at a thrift store in Boston for $7 and both my cats never went in it. 
um, because that's what cats do. And I had bought another one because I have two cats. So I bought one on Amazon that's like shaped like cat ears. That was $32. Well, that's the one that they've decided that they want to use. And the one that was $7, (laughs) they didn't want. So I listed that on Poshmark, I think for like 50. And I sent an offer on it and I sold it for $40. That was my first sale within 24 hours. And I was like, okay, okay. I think I I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. I think I can do this. But now it's a matter of like finding like time to take away from the one business that makes me all the money to kind of focus a little time on the one that I'm just starting out. It's a very difficult process. So when you go to the thrift store, just do a high tail down the home goods too. Yeah. That's what I did today too. I ended up finding things for myself. So. I know that's the hardest thing. <laughs> when clothes, like with clothing, I, I can easily be like, mm, whatever, because being plus size, it's really hard to find find anything at the thrift store not finding anything right I might find shoes in a handbag or something like that but even still with my wide feet I'm not finding things (laughs) we're so similar I totally agree (laughs) it's very rare that I find something that I love at the thrift store for myself very rare (laughs) so like when I go down clothes I'm like all right this is to sell like you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) hard goods is hard I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with that, but I also need to like keep in mind that I'm just starting this journey and like I'm going to build it really slow, but I this is going to be extremely curated and very specific, which my clothing store is curated but not to the same extent that this is going to be curated for and I also don't want to start just accumulating things. I want to like bring in a certain amount, sell it. Like almost mm-hmm. as if it's like um like a drop, right? Like yes. when a store has a drop or something. Like that's the way that I want to do it. So that's, very that's my new journey. I haven't told anyone else about it. Well, now everyone knows. Congratulations. <laughs> but... <laughs> that's so smart because you don't want to, you don't want people to say, if you bring one more bull in this house, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was already warned. So <laughs> before, before I even like attempted to start, it was, um, can we talk about this? <laughs> so so there's that. So yeah, this, it's really exciting. That's why this conversation is really special to me too, because I do want to be able to learn about these things and not that there isn't the resources out there because there are, it's just very overwhelming. I feel like this category can get super overwhelming and you just have to stick with the basics and the, and the things that um, I guess inspire you or the things that speak to you because there's just so much. So yes. That's that. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation. I hope you learned something new. Melissa, do you have social media or anything that you want to plug? How about your store? Can we plug your stores? Oh, absolutely. So um, so the antique store that I am in, it is called Trash to Treasures. Ooh, and it is in, isn't it cute? Yes. And it's in a, it's an amazing store. There's something for everybody. And um, it is in Lexington, Michigan. Okay. And um, yes, and she has a Facebook page and um, she also does an auction too. So if you want to head to her Facebook page, you know, she has a lot of um, stuff on there about the auction and stuff, which is pretty cool. And um, I am on Poshmark and eBay and Mercari. um, Also Instagram, Um, my store name, it has a funny name because I mean, didn't we all have funny names when we started our Mm -hmm. business? It's called Nanny Meg Resale, which is after my two daughters, Natalie and Megan, and it's spelled N-A-N-N-I-E. 
M-E-G resale. Love it. All right, everyone. I'm going to leave Melissa's information and this Trash to Treasure store information in the show notes for you guys. You can go check that out. And we will be back next week with um, more content for you guys. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye.